Are you ready? Yes, I am. Let's take a walk. Welcome to Two Redheads Walk Into a Podcast. I'm Lori. And I'm Dallas. Stress. It's a pervasive part of our lives. But is all stress negative? In this episode, we're going to meander through some tips and tricks on how to identify the different types of stress and how to temper its impact on your life to help you weather the most stressful time of the year, the holidays. Step right up, because here we go. Good morning. Good afternoon. Or good evening, wherever you're listening. How's it going today? Stress. Yes. Got a little bit of it. Same. Luckily, that's what we're going to talk about today. Exactly. We're going to give everybody here ways to identify it, deal with it. Should be helpful for everyone. And the universe gave us a little stress. That way we could get in character for this podcast. Precisely. So we want to make sure that our listeners understand we're addressing stress, not the mental health component of stress today, just the general, how it affects our lives and the ways that we can deal with it. So before we get into this week's episode on stress, which I just imagine won't be as much fun as last week's episode on television, let's revisit our challenge that we had for last week. And that was to kind of step out of your television or streaming comfort zone and try something a little new. Dallas, did you accomplish that? I did. And it was part of my stress relief technique. (laughs) Awesome. But it was still actually a show that was slightly out of my genre. It was a true crime on Lizzie Borden. (gasps) My favorite. Your favorite. (laughs) As we all know. (laughs) Exactly. So the show was, uh, I didn't really like the show, but I did like some of the new information that they brought into the Lizzie Borden case. Okay. I think that that was good. So I don't know how far outside really that of my genre that was because it was Uh technically kind of documentary type of thing, but it was true crime. So, okay. And you, how did you do? So I did pick a show that is very popular. It's a streaming show. It's not on a regular network. It's a dramatic show. I'm not sure when the book was written or when it's supposed to be set, but I tried it. I got through most of the episodes, so I did give it a chance, but it was just so far out of my zone of what I like to watch that I I didn't finish it, but mm, I got most of the way through. But you tried. I did try. That's good. Yeah. Again, not something I would ever pick, but I figured enough people liked it that if there was something that I would like, that would be the show to try. Okay. And that kind of bridges a little bit into our questions this week in stretching yourself outside of your comfort zone like that. Did that stress you at all as you were going through the episode and you weren't really kind of digging it kind of thing? And then the first of our rapid fire questions really is, do you have or have suffered from stress? Oh. Okay. That's just a whole bunch all rolled into one. It is. I'm just getting right right in there. (laughs) I know. That's okay. Hey, that's what we got to do sometimes. The show didn't stress me out. I was a little, I don't even know you could call it stress. I was perhaps frustrated or annoyed that I wound up kind of wasting my time, Mm. which I think that's a frustration everyone has. So nothing out of the ordinary there. I gave it my best shot, tried something. It didn't work. That's okay. But 
Yes, I have stress. I pretty much consider myself to have daily stress. So nothing that is out of the ordinary. I think I have excessive stress. I think my stress is on a, a normal level for where I am in life. Stress with the kids' school, stress with timing issues around my schedule, stress with just other things that are just in my life. So nothing overwhelming. But yes, I do have stress and it doesn't, I, I don't want to use the word suffer because I know people out there have it so much worse than me, but it does affect me. Mm-hmm. How about you? Oh, of course. I think we all do. We all do. What we even said as part of the introduction, it is pervasive. And what I question is, is it more pervasive now than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 100 years ago? Or are we just looking at different types of stress than we had during those timeframes? We had stress in the war times because we had rationing and we had people dying overseas and we had that type of stress versus the types of stress that we have now and which Although affect our might bodies be, We more. might get to rationing soon. I know the baby formula stuff must be stressing parents out still. Right. So yes, I have stress like everyone else. And you kind of already answered a little bit of the rapid fire two, which is does stress affect your daily life? And my answer to that would be too, yes, of course it affects my daily life. And it goes up and down depending on what types of activities or how many things I have to do. Or I don't know about you, but my condition plays a lot into that stress during mm-hmm. a day. If I have a flare up on that day, of course, it's going to be much more stressful. And especially if I have things planned that I have to try to get done, how can I rearrange my day to be able to accommodate those types of things? So that adds an additional stress on top of it. Gotcha. So let's go into question three then. How has your stress changed over the years? We're talking about historically, you know, how has Mm -hmm. that stress maybe affected different generations? But for you, how has it changed over the years? I think mine has just been the gradual I'm using quote unquote here, normal stress. You know, you have stress when you're in school, test stress, getting to class on time stress. And then you're out in the workforce, you have workforce stress, then you get married and you have marital stress. And then you have kids and you're like, I'm stressing out because now I'm responsible for other human beings. (laughs) So it's changed over the years. As I said, now it's just more of this daily thing that I have to manage, nothing Mm -hmm. out of the ordinary, but it definitely has changed over the years. I think it's now pretty much the same stress each day. As I already said, you know, appointments, just things I have to get done. And as you said, with a flare up, if there's a day that something does happen and I don't get that done, then the next day is even twice as stressful because now I've got to make up a day. Yeah. Sounds about right. So do you feel that there's more stress now at this point in your life than early in your life? Let's say in college was the, I mean, the stress is definitely different. Do you feel that it was less stress during that time frame and more stress now? I do, but that is because I am a parent mm-hmm. and I am responsible for two little people. So I've got the stress of keeping my, myself alive on a daily basis and healthy and well and doing my part in the world. And also not only teaching that to them, but doing the same for them. Mm-hmm. So I leave more of, I'd say the financial stress type 
I don't do the bills and I, I don't take care of that. I choose not to. My husband loves to do it. So I let him do it. <laughs> so luckily I don't have to deal with that stress, but I do take on more of the stress of running around with the kids, taking care of the kids, making sure they're set with this and that and whatever they need. So it's definitely a different kind of stress because it's not just about yourself anymore. It's about mm. someone else. So I do feel that that in a way is much harder. Okay. And you? Well, of course it's just gotten more. However, with the more stress that's come along has come more knowledge about how to deal with stress more effectively, more outlets to be able to resolve it, to deal with it better than I was, you know, in my earlier years. Okay. So I think that's the contradiction there. Okay. I actually do have a question that I kind of just thought of that's not in the rapid fire, but so I'm, I'm coming at you out of the blue here and I Uh-oh. apologize for that. Although rapid fires, my stress is going be. up. No, but no. <laughs> so how does stress affect you? And I'll give you my example. When I'm feeling stress and I just know things are coming up, my shoulders start to rise and my neck and shoulder blades, they get very tense. Mm-hmm. You have something like that, that it affects you in a certain way that you're just like, aha, stress is here knocking on my door. Mostly it's just mental I know that my mind is racing and that's kind of how I know that I'm stressed, but it really does manifest in a physical way. Basically, I keep all of my stress up in my left shoulder. Mm -hmm. It like Quasimodo's back there. And it can be really sensitive and it's very tight. But since I don't really touch that area very often and there's no noticeable like your shoulders go up, mine doesn't go up. Right. So I really don't know that anything's there. But yeah, it's it's more my mind is racing. Gotcha. That's when I know. Before we continue, why don't we give everyone an actual definition of stress? Because stress, I think everyone has their own definition of what it is. And we'll get into ours in a second. But stress defined by the World Health Organization is any type of changes that causes physical, emotional, or psychological strain. Stress is your body's response to anything that requires attention or action. And I think that's a pretty good summation of it. I think so. But here's a fun fact. Did you know the term stress as we know it today in relation to self-care wasn't around until the 1920s? I did not. Before Dr. Hans Seal coined the term stress, it was a word specifically associated with engineering and physics Okay. to describe the physical strain put on an object. Sound familiar? It does. But yes, it wasn't until the 1920s where they started to look at stress as both a psychological and in Dr. Seal's case, a physiological, because he wasn't an engineer or a psychologist. He was an endocrinologist. Uh-huh. He was looking at the effect of stress on the body by its biological reactions. And there were significant biological reactions in the bodies to certain instigating actions. And he was also the first to identify stress as a cause of some illnesses. Very interesting. And you said the early 20s. So that would have been pretty much after World War One, I, I guess, and then mm-hmm. before the Depression. Yes. And funny you mentioned that because his curiosity about stress's effect on the body was because of some of the soldiers that he worked with after the war and in noticing some of the similar symptoms and illnesses that they were contracting after that very stressful experience. 
course. PTSD came along later, but at least he was in on the first part of trying to identify how stress can severely impact the biological systems of the body. So, Lori, what is stress to you? Because we've been talking about how stress affects us and how much it affects us, but what does stress really mean to you? Stress to me, honestly, I'm going to take it back to what its original meaning was of just pressure, you know, used in the industrial sense. It's that pressure and you feel it. It's like, I feel it. I feel it. It's like pushing you down. It's this sensation of there's so much to do. There's things that need to be done. I have to worry about this. Is this going to happen? And all these little layers build up and it's a weight. It's a Mm -hmm. weight on you. That's, that's how I perceive stress, but Stress has actually been described two ways that I really love. And I'm going to quote Mr. Rogers first. (laughs) This is more what in times of stress, not specifically Mm -hmm. stress, but he was quoted as saying in times of stress, the best thing we can do for each other is to listen with our ears and our hearts and to be assured that our questions are just as important as our answers. And I love that. It's not so much what stress is, but what to do about stress. And then we also have the best quote, I think, in (laughs) pretty much any animated film, the immortal words of Bartok the Bat from Anastasia. And I'm going to (laughs) throw it over to you because I cannot do accents to save my life. Yes. Thanks, Hank Azaria, for this one. Stress. It's a killer, sir. (laughs) And it definitely can be. And it can be. Absolutely. But I'm going to throw one more quote in there because going back to Dr. Seal, there's a great quote in his book. Everybody knows what stress is and nobody knows what it is. This is also true. Right. And so then it kind of begs the question, how do we fight stress if we don't know what it is? It's a great question. Let's get into some answers. (laughs) Well, we've had some answers uh, with our rapid fire questions so far, Uh but I think the answer to this one is what I go with for most things. Knowledge is our best weapon. So how about we go over some of the basics? Sounds good. So stress is your response, both physical and psychological, to the stressor, the thing that's putting a strain on your body or mind, what you were talking about before, Lori, in kind of your definition. So first, let's talk about the stress, the response part, because I feel like we all know or have heard so many times how we can deal with the stress right? Mm -hmm. You can do yoga, you can do exercise, you can do meditation. But I think if you really get an understanding of your response, which is the stress and the stressor, what is actually causing you that stress, you might be able to not have to get to the stress relief at all. Ah, prevention. Yeah. Let's do a little bit prevention first. Let's talk about stress first. There are two components to stress its type, and your perception of your reaction. According to the American Psychological Association, the three types of stress are acute stress, episodic stress, and chronic stress. And if you notice, they really kind of refer to the length of time of the stressful event. For an example of acute stress, you almost had a car accident. Mm -hmm. It's short and it dissipates. (sighs) you're done quickly. Okay. Episodic stress, on the other hand, are things that might be quick, but they occur again and again and again. An example of that might be at work. Your boss, every time they assign you a new task or a new project, 
it has completely unreasonable deadlines every time. So you deal with that stress every project. Now, hopefully it dissipates by the end of the project, but it might not. And we run into chronic stress. So chronic stress is that constant stress in the background. And it can also be all of those other stresses kind of piling up because you don't get to resolve them, right? right? You don't get to clear your body of all of the excess hormones and neurotransmitters and everything that it had to produce to get your body to respond to that stressor. Now, Lori, do you have an example of acute stress or episodic stress or even chronic stress that you might be suffering from? I think episodic stress in almost a funny way, because I'm going to make light of it because it is such a simple situation is when my kids come home from school each day, it's a madhouse. You'd think there were 10 kids running around all arguing and (laughs) going different directions and just trying to manage that for that moment. I'm just like, I want to pull my hair out. I need to disappear for about 10 minutes, but Mm -hmm. on that level, yes, there's the episodic stress. And chronic stress, I don't know if it's more so chronic or just daily. It's just going to happen every day. And it's always the same thing. So it's just always there. Again, it's mostly Mm -hmm. time management, I think. Mm -hmm. Just lots of stuff to get done. Yes. And once I get it done, I have to get it done again the next day. Mm -hmm. Because it's instead of, I use this analogy a lot, instead of getting like a snake bite and having, oh my gosh, this big horrific wound. Mm-hmm. It's more like stepping into a pile of fire ants where you get all these <laughs> tiny little bites, mm-hmm. but you smack one and you get another one. You smack that one, you get another one. So that's how kind of, I describe it. Mm-hmm. I don't have giant major stressors, thank goodness. But the ones I do have, they're just there. They're repetitive and you just have to deal with them. Right. Now it's interesting a little bit about what you brought up before, because not all stress is bad. It's not. You were talking a little bit earlier about your, the stress that you had with your kids coming home every day. And it wasn't necessarily bad stress. It was a, you know, getting you going a little bit. Yes. Right. So this is the other component of stress, which is how you view the stress. Do you see it more as a threat or is it more of a challenge? Oh, it is a challenge for me. It's about having that positive cognitive response. You're scared, but you're excited. So let me describe a little bit about how we get to this response or the type this has. So your boss is giving you a task to complete that is just outside of your comfort zone. You kind of have the skills to get it done, but you're going to have to learn some new stuff to actually complete it. So it's pushing you that stress of, oh my gosh, I've got this task. I don't know if I can do it, but I'm pretty sure I can. It's not a mountain you can't overcome, but something that will expand your skills and test you. This stress, Dr. Seal referred to as eustress, the opposite of distress. And eustress literally means good stress. (laughs) He was not going very far out of his comfort zone for that one. Lori, which do you think is more impactful on your body? Eustress or distress? Oh, goodness. That's an interesting question. Do you mean like with the tension in the shoulders or just like an overall? Overall. 
Do you know what? I honestly don't think I differentiate between the two, which I should probably do. I hear the noise. I hear the arguments like stress, my body reacts. And then maybe the dogs are barking and I got to run down quickly before there's an accident. And I'm like, stress. Mm -hmm. All that, like I said, all the (laughs) tiny little stresses, I don't differentiate between them. So that's probably something I should do. This is a good part of the preventative method of dealing with stress. So when you have that moment, the stress comes up and you get the first of what is the stress response, which also is credited to Dr. Hans Seal. <laughs> but he referred to it as the Rolling Stone said, it's a gas, gas, gas. <laughs> it's the gas or general adaption system. And they just truncated it to stress response later. But when you get that first part of the stress response, mobilization, eek, I've got stress. That is a point to think, good stress or bad stress? Hmm. Is this encouraging me, motivating me? Or is this like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. So right at the beginning of that stress feel that you get, ask that first question, good or bad? Because that right there might actually start to bring your shoulders down. It's good stress. This is okay. I can handle this. The second part of the stress response is resistance. That's where we deal with the situation, whatever it may be. You know, I almost got into car wreck. Okay. I put on the brakes. I'm slowing down my driving. I'm paying more attention. You have reacted to that particular section. You have dealt with it. And then hopefully you then move over into recovery. And your body starts to slow down. It starts to clear all of that stuff that it created to mobilize your muscles, to increase your heart rate, to make sure that everything has what it needs to operate at its highest possible level. But then that recovery is to try to get the body back down into what Walter Cannon referred to as homeostasis. We're trying to get back to that steady state, our least energy state. But it takes time and it takes energy to turn off those stress responses. And if another stress response comes along, it doesn't have time to get all of those extra components out of your body and then more of them get created. So again, this is part of the issue with chronic stress. Mm -hmm. It's just stress on stress on stress. It just keeps going. Exactly. It's those little fire ants that just keep attacking. Mm, Definitely. And it just compiles. It reminds me a lot of what I dealt with. And I think what pretty much all of us dealt with recently with the COVID and the lockdowns where we were just so isolated and we had so many other stressors in our life that we needed to deal with. And I know I did not deal with that well. I wound up finding online therapy and then halfway through through the pandemic is when I started the testing and the diagnosing and the doctor's visits for my autoimmune disease. And that just hit kind of all at once. Yes. So it built up over that time frame, right? Mm-hmm. It was the acute stress of, ah, we're in lockdown. And then it was the episodic stress. It changed over into day to day. What is it going on today? What do we need to be aware of? What's changing? And then we, again, still didn't have and might've had acute episodes inside of that. Definitely. You were saying, you got your diagnosis in the middle of that. Yes. So another acute stress on top of the episodic that was already going on with the COVID. And then that turned into an episodic stress because you were having to go to the doctors 
every other week or every week. And that then all combined into that continuous chronic stress through that period of time. Definitely. It definitely did. And I think when you get to that point, or if you've gotten to that point, or if you do get to that point in the future, at that place in time, seek out some professional help. Mm -hmm. Because that was really the only thing that brought me back. I was so angry because that's how it manifested during COVID. It manifested as anger inside of me. On one hand, justifiable. On the other hand, kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But again, just not my norm. Mm -hmm. So know when you're at your breaking point of stress, because my little stresses that I've mentioned, oh, my kids come home and argue, oh, I have to go volunteer at the school. Manageable. Totally. I've got plenty of small coping mechanisms. I can deal with that. No problem. But when you have an exorbitant amount of stress and it does not get better, then go seek out some help for sure. Because the help is also going to be more effective. If you understand what is it you're mobilizing against, you're in that stress response, where are you at? And it may not be the same for all of the different stresses that you're dealing with. And that is going to help your therapist get you through the rest of that stress response. If you know where you are, you can't get to where you want to go if you don't know where you're starting. Exactly. Great story I ran across when researching for this episode was how to turn what was an acute stress, which then became a chronic stress, back into no stress at all, simply by changing your perspective on the stressor itself. Okay. So it's inspired by an article on NPR called How to Stop Stewing About Something You've Taken a Little Too Personally. And it was by Diana Opong and Audrey Wynn. And boy, I hope I got both of those names correct. (laughs) I'm sorry to you if I didn't. But the short version is one of the authors on her way to the store. The person in front of her didn't hold the door open for her. She was a little mad. How rude of that person not to do that. However, that should have been a quick, oh well, but it wasn't. She then stewed over this rude act. How dare they? For days. Mm -hmm. Which started then to change that stress from what should have been an acute stress to a chronic stress. It just kept eating away at her. I've had many of those. Exactly, right? We all have. Now you can meditate on this and you can yoga on this, but sometimes it just sticks in your craw. It It just doesn't want to go away. And then you feel ridiculous about it. Right. Like, why am I so upset about this? So that's where it's important. And the NPR article points out this pretty well. Understand the stressor. Take a new perspective. Maybe the Mm -hmm. person who didn't hold open the door, they just didn't see you. Maybe they never hold open a door for someone. So they weren't singling you out. That's just something they don't do. Or maybe they were in a real hurry and they forgot just that once, right? If you can take some of those perspectives on that stress, you might actually be able to nip your response in the bud and not have any stress about it at all. I mean, again, if that person didn't see me, like if a third party had come up to me or come up to that person when she went into the door and said, oh yeah, she didn't see you. I saw that. Mm -hmm. Would you have had a different perspective? Would you have had a different stress response? interesting. And it's, and it's very similar to a coping mechanism that my therapist had mentioned to me where she would have me ask myself the question, what am I able to change in dealing with situation X, Y, Z? So I would write that down. Be like, well, I could do this and I can do that. And after a while it did start to work. So Mm -hmm. for your example of the door, I'd write down, I know she saw me, even though I'm (laughs) I'm writing down, she didn't
didn't see me. I know she did Uh see me, but getting into it after a while, it did actually help. So with the door situation, maybe the next time I'm behind somebody like that, maybe I try to get to the door first and try to open it for them Mm -hmm. because then that way it takes that out altogether. You mentioned you write to de-stress. What other things do you do? I do. It doesn't have to be a diary. I can write song lyrics. I can literally write the alphabet. But if I'm just (laughs) concentrating on writing stuff down, Mm -hmm. I release that tension. And a couple others that I personally use is I will listen to music such as the Hamilton soundtrack because I'll start singing along. Not calming music that like, oh, I hope this relaxes me, but music that, no, I want to get in there and sing along and focus on the words. Again, distracting myself which is your favorite Hamilton song oh goodness singing wise uh one last time because hello Chris Jackson his voice everything about him but to sing along to probably guns and ships (laughs) I try to rap and it's just so bad it's pretty awful nice A couple other things that I do is sometimes I'll get the adult coloring book out, just the the tiny intricate details. Again, it's all the ones I use are distraction because that's the best thing for me. It's okay. I have a coloring app, so you don't have to feel so bad about it. Nice. Okay. And one last thing that my therapist mentioned at the time was, you know, the whole Marie Kondo idea of if it doesn't spark joy, throw Mm -hmm. it out. This was kind of the opposite. Look for things that upset you and throw them out. So not just a benign, it doesn't spark joy, throw it out. Something perhaps like, wow, this clay pot reminds me of such an awful time in my life when I was going through so much. And I feel like I want to keep it because I should, or because so-and-so gave it to me. But no, if looking at that pot stresses you out, get rid of it. And the same goes for people. We talked about that in our first episode. (laughs) We did. If people are stressing you out, you don't need that in your life. No, definitely do not add to your chronic stress holding on to -hmm. people who are not bringing joy into your life. Okay. That's a lot of good recommendations. I know there's one of the traditional ones that you're not incredibly fond of. It's not that I'm not fond of it. It's that I physically cannot do it. I have tried. You have tried with me. It's just, I haven't gotten there yet. Meditation. Meditation. And one of the reasons I know that you struggle with that one is a reason that I did when I was beginning meditation work and that some other people struggle with as well. Length of time. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I like to tell people is, you know, find what works for you, of course, is always the case. But I actually put together some mini meditations that Lori has been more successful with. Yes. (laughs) Because they're so short. They are pretty short. (laughs) They're incredibly short. And really, it's a quick 20 seconds of meditation. So Lori, you're going to help us take people through a quick 20 second meditation today? Absolutely. All right. So first, I'm going to lead you through a simple meditation. And then Lori is going to lead you through her version of that meditation. Let's get to it. Let's go. First up, we're actually going to use a acupressure technique while we do the 20 second meditation. So what I'd like you to do is take your right thumb and forefinger, and you're going to gently squeeze the webbing, that skin between your left thumb and forefinger. And we will actually put up the pictures since we're on a podcast and you can't quite see us. 
So this is a nice acupressure technique to help relieve stress and calm the body. And we're going to hold on to that for the 20 seconds that we do. What is our simple visualization? So today, my visualization of, of the main plaza in Salzburg, Germany at Christmas time. The key to these 20 second meditations is picture that in your mind as detailed as you possibly can from the slight snow that's fallen on the ground to the people and the sounds around you as they're going through the Christmas market and looking at all of the wonderful toys and items that are for sale. You can see the sparkling light hanging down off of each of the individual booths, creating a little starry night sky. You can feel the chill in the air. But what I can also feel is that wonderful warmth in my hands of that mug of Glühwein, which is a nice spiced wine that they have at the Christmas markets. And as I'm drinking it, I can feel that warmth go all the way down through my throat into my stomach and warm me up from the inside. And that's your 20 second meditation. So picture a place that means something to you, that makes you feel good. And then think about all of those little details. And the more that you can pull in the different sensation, things you taste, things you feel like the sun on your skin or the cool air, the more meditative and the more stress it'll relieve. So Lori. Very nice. I liked (laughs) that one you did. Thank you. So Lori. Where's your favorite place that you're going to take us to for the next 20 seconds? Oh my goodness. I don't know if I can take anyone anywhere as nicely as you did. I would have to say the beach on Maui, just laying on the beach, the quiet ocean, not a lot of waves because that'll make me have to pee. I got to admit, I can't do the water relaxation, but a beach in Maui, perhaps a nice giant umbrella calling over someone to get a pina colada or maybe a strawberry daiquiri, just feeling the warmth and the quiet and just relaxing just on a beach chair, the wind maybe rustling the palm trees and then having that nice cool sip of a drink and then making sure I've got my SPF on and laying back and hoping I can fall asleep into a little nap. Well done. Let's kind of wrap it up with a couple last minute thoughts or, or maybe just a recap of some of the things we went over. And the first one, stress is normal, whatever kind you have. There are obviously extenuating circumstances to that, but daily stress, whether it's chronic or not normal. And again, identify the type of stress it is. Is it chronic? Is it acute? Is it you stressed? Or is it the actual distress? And I think finally find what works for you to relieve it. Find a method that maybe you haven't used, or if you have a great method, keep using that and maybe add something in if you feel the stress just doesn't quite dissipate enough. And if you've got any ideas that we haven't mentioned, please let us know somewhere, maybe social media or tag us somewhere and let us know what stress coping mechanisms you have. Again, We're not medical professionals. If your stress is at the point where it's detrimental to you in a way that's either your mental health or your physical health, please go seek out professional help. So the challenge for this week, you're going to go through the entire cycle of one piece of stress in your life. Identify its type, acute, episodic, chronic, identify 
Is it eustress or distress? Go even further on that and find out what is the different perspective you can look at the stressor. Finally, try a new technique for reducing stress. That is a great challenge. I think deconstructing it in that way is going to be super helpful to everyone. Well, that's it, everyone. And thank you for joining us this week as we stood up to stress. Now that we've discussed our ideas, are there any recommendations about today's topic that you'd like to share? Drop us a comment on Instagram or become a Patreon member for special perks and bonus content. For a complete list of products, services, or other content mentioned in today's podcast, visit the links page on our website. And join us next week as we'll be staging a battle of the buddies when we ask that age-old question, cats versus dogs. Are you team Cuddle Kitty or team Pampered Pooch? Follow us on Instagram for a sneak peek at next week's episode. I'm Dallas. And I'm Lori. For two redheads walk into a podcast. The Two Redheads podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. As with all our platforms and content, this podcast represents our own current personal views. These opinions do not represent those of any people, institutions, or organizations that we may discuss, mention, or recommend to our audience. At various times, we may provide reviews of products, services, or other resources. Any such reviews will represent the good faith opinions of the authors. You should conduct your own due diligence and should not rely solely upon any reviews provided by the authors. The products and services reviewed may be provided to the company for free or at a reduced price to incentivize a review. For more information about the disclosure of incentives received in exchange for providing reviews of these products, please contact support at tworedheadswalkintoapodcast.com. We are not licensed healthcare professionals, and our personal experiences addressed are what works for our bodies. None of what we say should be taken as medical advice. Please refer to your own physician for any medical needs and concerns.